0: turn with me uh, to our Bible reading in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. And we're going to look this evening uh, for our text, verse 24 uh, to verse 29. We've spent quite a considerable time on this passage of God's Word over the last months. And I... I think it's amazing that the Lord Jesus concluded all of this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount with an invitation. The closing appeal for his listeners, which began at verse 13 and 14, was for them to enter. Don't stay on the outside, but to enter in. And to enter in through the straight or the narrow gate which leadeth on to life eternal. And of course in urging his listeners to enter in, he made it clear, as we look at the context of these verses, that that's not easily done. It's not an easy decision. When people say it's easy to decide for Christ, they're not telling you the truth. Because in the very next breath, in verse 15, he warned about false prophets. And the devil uses false prophets to deceive souls. To deter them from entering into the narrow way. And ultimately bringing them to destruction. And there are many. And I'm not going to go over them tonight. There are many who we could put under such a designation. But in this land of ours where the gospel used to be preached. In every street corner. There are more false prophets in those street corners than anything else. False prophets produce false professions because now immediately after that in verse 15 Jesus warned his uh, listeners about empty professions which cannot produce fruit amongst uh, those who are the, the converts and alas amongst the visible professing church of Jesus Christ today we have many false professors and I want just to say it as it ought to be said and there's many of them sitting in free Presbyterian pews tonight the Lord Jesus wanted to differentiate between the false and the the true and so in verse 24 to verse 27 he emphasized the importance not only of hearing the word but actually obeying the word you see, false professors here, And there are many false professors who have heard the word today across their land and will hear it again this evening. And remember, as I said last week, these closing words are not addressed to the man in the street. They're addressed to the man in the pew. They're addressed to the visible professing church. And false professors here, but they don't obey. False professors here, but they continue in their own pathway of rebellion and disobedience. True professors here and obey, and that's the mark of differentiation. And to illustrate this point, he proceeded to tell the parable, or the illustration some might prefer, of the wise and the foolish builder. Here in Mourn, I think we'll understand these men maybe better than anywhere else, because Mourn's full of builders. Both these men were builders, but they were both listeners. Verse 24, verse 26. Both were outwardly religious. This was not the ungodly that Jesus was talking about, the man in the street who is heedless and regardless. This was those within the professing visible church. They were nominally associated with the flock of Christ and his teaching. They were visibly identified with his cause. How do I know all of that? Because they were there to hear his word. They were under the means of grace. In other words, we could put it in our modern day parlance. They were out at all the meetings. They attended on to the preaching. But there was a huge difference between them. Between this wise and foolish uh, listener. And the difference was one built on the rock and the other built on the sand. One heard and obeyed. One heard and continued to disobey. Every wise builder knows the importance of good foundations. The Lord Jesus emphasized this truth in the spiritual aspect uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. In his dealings with the Pharisees, he constantly challenged them concerning the, the true nature of a true religion. The Saviour taught that true religion does not consist in the externals. And even amongst the evangelical church today, there's any amount of externals. And the externals occupied the minds of the Pharisees more than the internals. What you looked like, what you dressed like, where you came from. Those were all the important things to those men. But the Lord Jesus emphasized what really was important was the heart. What really was important was what the life was built upon. And there are many today, brethren and sisters, and they mightn't agree with a lot of uh, what we call our standards, but they've built upon the rock. And there's many who will outwardly, nominally adhere to what we call our standards and distinctives, and they're on the sand. And bringing this word to this grand conclusion. He talked here about the man who was, was wise. He, he wasn't wise because he gave ornamentation to his home. This man was not overly concerned I believe. What it looked like A outwardly. He was wise because he had a foundation. The second man denoted as foolish not because he built an inferior designer construction to the wise man but he, he left the fundamental part out he didn't have a foundation there are similarities between what the men built but the essential difference lay the essential difference lay oh, upon what they built upon the wise man built upon the rock the foolish man built upon the sand Now I know you've been hearing that parable probably from childhood days. And yet it's it's pivotal in our understanding to the Sermon on the Mount itself. Because it's the foundation that makes the difference. And the key lesson that I want you to learn as we conclude our studies in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the foundation that you build on that makes the difference. In reality we're all builders. You mightn't go to a building site tomorrow, but you're building. Each one of us, every day, we're building. We're building for eternity. And there's one day the structure's going to be tested in the storms of God's wrath. we when we stand before God and give an account on the judgment day, we were thinking about the exaltation of Christ. He's already risen. He's already exalted. He's already seated at the right hand of the Majesty Most High. There's only one thing left, brethren and sisters. That's the judgment. And when he comes back in the judgment, where will you stand before him and what will you stand upon? You'll stand before him, but what ground are you going to stand upon? That's the key lesson from this closing part of the Sermon on the Mount. We need to examine our hearts we need to look at the foundations again tonight and as we look at the foundations I want you when you stand before God I want you to be standing on the foundation that Jesus spoke of that good rock foundation so let's look at this foundation and let's look what Jesus said about it it teaches us, first of all, that we're to beware of superficiality, of a superficial foundation. The foolish builder was interested in the house. Of course he was. He built it. But he was only interested on what people could see above the ground. And I'm sure he used the same materials as the wise man used. I'm sure he worked out a good architectural plan I 'm sure it was all done uh, to perfection itself, and in in comparison to the wise man, he was way ahead in the building schedule he hadn't really anything to worry about, but he built upon sand, movable sand instead of building upon the unmovable rock. It is hard to believe considering how smart he was in other aspects of the work and yet he wasn't smart really was he when he didn't dig down to get a foundation and yet there are many people like that today when it comes to eternity there are many people and they're so clever there's more letters after their name than i have in my name they've got degrees galore but they haven't got a foundation there are others. And they spend hours on recreation and they spend hours on self-improvement. And they spend hours on making themselves look good, feel good, project themselves. Projection is all the big thing in the world. How you look and how you come across to other people, etc. And they devote endless hours to themselves. But they've never spent five minutes in their life facing up to the big questions of eternity. Have you ever thought of those big questions? Would you take a minute or two and think about them tonight? They're found often in the scriptures. Job, in Job 14 14, he said, If a man die, shall he live again? You will die. You will die. That's a certainty for all of us. But will you live again? And if you live again, where will you spend eternity? I think of that young man who came to Jesus in Mark 10:17, he said, "Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life?" Big question: If a man dies, shall he live again? Now this man came and he said, "What do I need to do to get this eternal life? He believed that he would live again. He would have an afterlife. There is an afterlife, brethren and sisters, there is an afterlife. And this man wanted to know, what do I need to do to get it?" He was still in the doing, working mode. I think of that dear man in Acts 16 verse 30, uh, just about to take his own life, and he cried out to uh, to Saul and Silas, Paul and Silas. He said, Sirs, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You mightn't be at the brink where he was. As we understand it, in the jailhouse, but you could be on the very the very teetering of eternity, one more step out into eternity. And have you ever asked the question, What, what shall I do to be saved? You've never asked those big questions. There are many like this foolish builder. They're, they're building they're building on the ever changing, ever moving fashions and fads of time and I see that in the church I see it more I suppose because now I've got more years behind me than I'll ever have in front of me and people love novelty and they love change and they love innovation and they love the new thing and there are people who would travel from one end of the country to the other end of the country just to get that new thing that new fad, that new fashion There's nothing of depth in it. You know, I don't have to go to the other end of the country to go down into the things of God. I can do it here. I can do it here in alone. And what you need to do is to go down rather than to go round. You need to go down. A superficial foundation, of course, is the, the fastest way to put up a building. There, there's nothing really. Uh, at the, the, the brick layers have to do there's no footings have to go down uh, no one worries about hitting the rock bed or the hard clay, uh, there's no preparation of the site, there's no pouring in the cement there, there's no big bills that come with all of that there you just build up, you start on the sand and you just build up you maybe build where it's prettiest, you build maybe where the scenery is, is the, the, the the best and you want it to look good and you address all of those factors in a hurry. the quick fix. Foolish men always want things done yesterday. In many ways their professing church is just like that today. Many parts of it has no foundation. There are many evangelicals today and they emphasize the decision. The decision is the most important thing and it doesn't matter how shallow that decision is as long as you made a decision you'll be okay but there's no true faith there's no true repentance there's no true work of grace there's no true conversion but there's a decision decisionism superficial evangelism is the order of the day that we live in. I'm not going to take time to illustrate it all. The illustrations are all round about you. You can, you can see the illustrations. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you can see what's going on. You, you, you know what's going on. It's nothing new. But if you haven't gone deep if you haven't gone deep it doesn't matter how dramatic that decision was that you made it means nothing if it's not built on a foundation where such life exists the cracks and crevices soon appear where you build on sand no matter how good the block work is no matter how good the brickwork is no matter how strong the cement is when you build on sand the, the walls will soon buckle And they'll soon crack and they'll soon bow. And false professions are are just like houses without a foundation. It's not long before the inherent weaknesses start to appear. Uh, And maybe you recognize that as an image of your own life. I want you to face up to some hard truths tonight. Is it because you've got no foundation? sometimes people blame the preacher sometimes people blame the church there's no follow up, there's no interest there's no this, there's no that, there's no the other and maybe all that's part of the equation but the greater part of it is there's no foundation there's no foundation and gradually such a building erodes and corrodes away And the owner might paint over the defects and fill in the cracks, but it can't prevent the inevitable fall. And outward superficial appearances, outward decisionism, outward superficiality is concerned always with the externals, whilst God all the time is concerned with the internals. What's going on in the heart? What's going on in the life? Jesus said, take heed. Take heed. If you're content with such superficiality, well, you'll be content with it. And there's nothing I will ever do or say to convince you otherwise, but I I just want to warn you, if that superficiality is built on sand, one day it's going to fail you. And one day your house is going to collapse. We learn, secondly, from this parable of the need of a strong foundation in Luke 6.48 the parallel passage in Luke's gospel Jesus said that the wise builder and this is the expression that's used in our, our AV he digged deep he digged deep the foolish builder he started on the surface and he stayed on the surface but the wise builder dug deep and he expended his energy, not in what people saw, but in the visible things that people would never see. He expended his energy in digging deep. He went deep down into the ground. And if you want a spiritual foundation, you will have to dig deep. And it will richly repay all of us to dig deep into the scriptures of truth. The Lord Jesus said in John five thirty nine, search the scriptures. For in them you think that you have eternal life and dare they which testify of me. There's only one way to get a good foundation and that's to search the word of the living God. To get the answers to those big questions that we were addressing just a minute or two ago. Dig deep into the word of God and get the answers to the big questions. And as you dig deep you will find, you will find what Newton said last what we emphasized last week to you. You'll find two things. You'll find that you're lost. Psalm 119, that great psalm all about the law of God. And at the end of it, the psalmist said, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. It's very significant. As he meditated upon the law, and as he meditated upon the word of God, and what the law of God said about his heart, What did it reveal to him? The law showed to him he was a lost sheep. And that's what sinners are. They're lost. Have you ever ever been overcome by a sense of your own lostness? I sat in the Royal Victoria car park one day. And I saw, I assume it was a father and child coming up the car park. And of course the child ran on ahead. Of the father. The father could see the child, but the child got lost and couldn't see the father. And that child just stood there in the car park and was just panic stricken because the child was lost and was absolutely inconsolable. The child was lost. And I just thought of the spiritual application of it. It's not until we sense our own lostness that we really realize our own. Terrible condition before God and before eternity to come. We're lost. Lost. A lost sheep. But further on in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 18 and 11, we read the gospel message and the gospel message is that the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What a blessing. The wise builder he dug until he reached the rock and then he rested upon that rock. What is the rock? Well, I, I believe the rock speaks to us of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't speak, of course, what Christ revealed. And we know that the hearings and the sayings and the teachings of Matthew 7. But we, we'll, we, we know that the rock is Jesus. Matthew twenty eight sixteen, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lands in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious corner stone, a sure foundation, and he that believeth shall not make haste. There's only one foundation upon which we all can build upon for God's eternity. It's not our own righteousness. We looked at that this morning. We don't have any. We have no righteousness before a thrice holy God. So we have to build on the righteousness of another and the righteousness of Christ is the life that he lived for us, the death that he died for us. That's our foundation. Today we don't do foundations, do we? People like, people like things moving quickly. Keep, uh, keep it moving on. Keep it, keep it, keep it brief and short. Our, our forefathers didn't see it like that. Isaac Watts, he said, when I survey the wondrous cross. You know, if you're surveying something, you're looking at the details. You're taking it all in. You're looking at this aspect of it, the other aspect of it. You're surveying it all. You're taking it in in its entirety. But we just want the bullet points today. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My riches gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Take time to survey the cross. Take time to look into your own heart and into your own life and see how Jesus met the need of your own lostness at the cross. Because at the cross he poured out his life's blood for the sheep that were lost. As we go deeper, we come to experience what the Bible speaks of, conviction of sin. And that's our own sense, our own personal sense of sin, our own personal guilt, our own personal knowledge of wrongdoing. And it's only as we search the scriptures, you go into the word of God, that you're going to find such things. Jesus said in Luke six forty-eight. That the wise builder laid his foundation upon the rock. that's important. He not only got to the rock, but he laid the foundation on the rock. In other words, he heard the word, but he not only heard the word, he obeyed the word. And he came to rest upon the word for salvation. And there are many tonight who'll hear the word, but who'll not rest their soul upon the word. That word of salvation from heaven above. I I pray that you'll be like the wise builder. You'll get to the rock. And not only will you get to the rock, and that rock is Jesus, but that God would enable you tonight just to build your all upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Build it all for God's great eternity. Trust your all to him upon the rock. The listener who merely politely listens, but who never does what Christ commands and thrust their soul uh, to the rock they're just on sand they're just building on sand jesus said in in john 15:14 ye are my friends if you do whatsoever i command you what are those commandments well, the opening sermon that Jesus preached is recorded for us in Mark 1 and verse 15. And it is, it is this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Simple as that. If you're going to build on the rock, you've got to obey the command of the gospel and the command of the gospel is to repent and believe. That's the rock. That's obedience. Obedience is the only evidence that you have a sure foundation upon which you're building upon for eternity. Now, where's the evidence in your life? Where is the evidence? Young and old, where is the evidence in your life that you've built upon the rock? There's another lesson we learned from this uh, parable, and it is this you need a foundation to survive the storms. Both houses had to face the storms. The wise man was not exempted. Sometimes Christians imagine, well I'm a child of God, there will be no storm ever hit my house. But the storm hit his house and it howled around the home. And those uh, trials, uh, they are very symbolic. The rain uh, teaches us about providential trials the floods teach us about the opposition of the world the winds teach us about the assaults of satan i, I won't take time to unpack that and fold it but we see it all in the word of god and there's no christian that is exempted from providential trials you're going to meet them this week there's no christian that is exempted from the opposition of the world that's the floods and there's no new christian is exempted either from the assaults of satan Remember in, in Job, he, he that, that huge wind came and destroyed what Job had built up. When the storms rage, what do we do? Well, we all head for the shelter and the safety of the home. Sometimes it seems as if the Lord is hiding himself from us. I was looking at that passage during the weekend in Job chapter 23. Where Job said, I go forward, he's not there. I go behind and he's not there. And it says just in those verses, he hideth himself. And I asked the question to someone this week, or in the past week, I asked the question, when God seems to hide himself from us, why is he doing that? And I got a tremendous answer. And the answer simply was this, God wants us to go looking for him. And when we go looking for him, we find we have a a hiding place. He will hide us where no harm can ever betide us. Look at this wise man. He, He experienced all of those things. He experienced the rain. He experienced the floods. He experienced the storms. But his house stood firm. Why? Because it was built upon the rock. There's a day coming when death itself is going to batter this frail vessel of ours. What will be in the day when God calls you to stand before him? If you haven't got a foundation, where will you stand on that day? Let me say to you, the only foundation is Jesus. There's no other foundation other than him. Look at this foolish builder. The house already had cracks in it so when the surges came from the floods it was an easy target and uh, it started to erode very, very quickly. When the storms came and hit upon the home, that home just didn't rattle, that home collapsed and there's no record of it ever been built again. It didn't survive. Why? Because it had no foundation. And Matthew seven twenty seven tells us great was the fall of it. I think that's the most solemn way that Jesus concluded the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about the wise building on the foundation that was secure. Now he talked about the foolish building on the sand that was insecure. And then he said when the storms took it, when the floods took it, when the winds battered it down, great was the fall of it. I think there's nothing more tragic than someone within the pale of the visible professing church of Jesus Christ who has heard the word who's built with others without a foundation and on that day when death comes for them or judgment meets them great will be the fall of all that they have built I think of some who have sat in these meetings. And I think of personal conversations. I think of all the public meetings that you've had. I think of all of the people who have prayed for you and with you over your lifetime. How how great will be the fall of such a house. On that last day. This is your life we're talking about. This is eternity we're talking about. This is judgment we're talking about. Great will be the fall of it. And you'll not say, Lord, Lord, on that day. You'll say, I never knew you. Come to him tonight. This is the day of salvation. This is the opportunity to be saved. This is the time to search your heart. To search your life. To look into your heart. To look into your life. Am I building on Christ? Don't be put off of other people. Think oh well yes. That person has been a Christian for years. You know your heart. You know you're standing before God. You get it right tonight. This very day. There's no other foundation. Other than lead. Which is lead. Which is Jesus Christ our Lord. Build on him.